Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. So hello everyone, uh, this is another episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast and today uh, I'm sitting here with uh, my co-host uh, Ralph Velasco who is in uh, Vilnius, Lithuania. Is that right, Ralph? Uh, no, unfortunately it's not right. Actually, I'm in Riga, Latvia now. <laughs> oh, unfortunately, you say unfortunately because you, you were starting to love Vilnius. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that, uh, yeah, and no, I, I do love Vilnius, and uh, but we got to uh, Riga the day before yesterday, I guess. Okay, I see. Yeah. I thought you were still uh, frolicking and flying over the skies of Vilnius. I saw your photos from the hot air balloon. <laughs> Vilnius, so uh, yeah, that that was something. That's uh, such a great experience. Have you ever done hot air balloon? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, oh my gosh, what a what a blast. And I'm deathly afraid of heights. And uh, if you saw in the uh, pictures I sent, there were, there's this one shot where we're right over the Vilnius International Airport. And so the uh, control tower made us go up to 5,000 feet. Oh yeah, I saw and, that photo and I, I, I had the same, the same photo. I mean, I thought, well, that's pretty close to the airport. I wonder if they are in the path of incoming or outgoing traffic then. <laughs> That could be a problem. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it was pretty scary to go up that high. But uh, we we had so much fun. And there were several people that had never been up in balloons before. But I, I've been up several times. But uh, it never <laughs> it never gets less scary. And, and it's, I mean, it's so uh, much fun. Uh, there's no engine on those uh, balloons. So, right. You, you cannot really go left and right. You can only go up and down and, and let the wind bring you wherever it wants to bring you. So. That's right. Uh, you, just, yeah. you cannot just get out of the way of the uh, landing path or something. You need to go up, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Get in different air currents and stuff. Yeah. Cool. So now you're now in Riga, and next you're going to Tallinn. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So to, actually, tomorrow we leave for Tallinn, Estonia, and we'll have uh, three nights there. And then I've got uh, several people that are doing an extension to Helsinki. Uh, but I will be off to uh, back to Chicago on Monday. Yeah, uh, and the, the fact that you're going back to Chicago uh, was, uh, I mean, wanted to to do this episode. We don't have any guests this time. Uh, it's just um, me and you uh, chatting a little bit about recent events, um, especially events that have to do with uh, with flying and flying as photographers and as digital photographers who have to carry digital equipment, so digital cameras, uh, laptops, uh, tablets, iPads, and so on, because there are uh, recently some uh, restrictions have been uh, enacted by the, I think technically it's the um, Department of Homeland Security, the DHS in the US, that has imposed uh, bans or restrictions on flights from uh, several countries into the U.S., I'm going to just to to check for uh, uh, just I have a list here. So flights from uh, Egypt, Jordan, Kuwait, Morocco, Turkey, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. 
to the U.S., if you're flying to the U.S. and you're coming from one of those countries, or even if you're coming from another country, but your flight originated from one of those, then you will have to check in all uh, electronic equipment that is larger than a, than a smartphone, basically. So that includes digital cameras, includes tablets, uh, laptops, uh, I don't know about uh, maybe ebook readers possibly also i'm not sure so that, that's that's created some um, some worries concerns and uh, and confusion because uh, people are starting to to wonder and i'm uh, on several facebook groups uh, uh, related to photography and travel and people are asking questions i had some somebody just yesterday uh, from italy they were flying to new york but they were flying to new york via Istanbul Airport and uh, with Turkish Airlines because Turkish Airlines it's actually quite a pretty good airline and they have uh, prices that are lower than average so it, it might seem strange if you're flying to to the US from Italy and that you're flying east to Istanbul and then from Istanbul to say New York but it's actually quite cheaper than possibly flying direct from Milan or Rome to New York and that person wasn't completely aware of this fact, uh, so they had to. They arrived in uh, in Istanbul with their camera in the carry-on luggage, and they were stopped at security check or at the gate. I'm not really sure. And they had to take the camera off, out of their carry-on luggage, and put it into the uh, checked luggage. Uh, so. And they weren't aware of that and were surprised about that. We were asking who, who decided that. Is this uh, an issue with Turkey? Is it Turkish Airlines? Is it the Americans or what? But but wait, uh, so if they had to put it into their checked bag, then it mm -hmm. must have been at check-in where yeah. they could still be able to do that, not at security once they've already checked in. And, and then where do you put it, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, of course. I think uh, there was... Uh, I don't know exactly in that specific situation, but yeah. Because, um, I mean, that's the scary part is if you know, for some, some reason you've gotten it past the gate check-in, now you go to security and they tell you you can't do it. Now what do you do? Because yeah. your bag's already gone, you know, in theory to the, to the airplane. And, uh, you know, there was also talk about some of the airlines providing a service where they would check your your computer and other valuables like that um do you know have you gotten any updates on that yeah i think in that case that was i don't know i don't know that person so i just saw the message on that group i didn't uh, inquire more in detail but i think what happened is that the, the luggage was checked in, in in italy and it went through istanbul airport so the person didn't have oh their, they didn't do the check-in again in Istanbul because they were already checked in. And in that uh, case, I think the airline provided uh, a specific uh, case, a rigid case, uh, at okay. security. So I said, okay, do you have any electronics here? And, and they said, yes, we're flying to New York. Okay, you cannot carry this on board. But your luggage is already checked in, so we will give you... This case, it's a hard case. You put uh, everything inside and we, we give you a receipt and the case is locked. And when you, you get off in New York, you, you collect your case and you take your stuff out. I think that's, that's what the airlines are providing 
for their customers. And well, that that might even be better than you you know kind yeah. of play dumb and get let that happen instead of trying to pack it in your own bag at home. Definitely. And who knows what's going to happen to it if the airline will put it into you know a Pelican case type of uh, mm-hmm. suitcase. You know, you might be better off doing that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, and I was I also know. thinking of uh, I mean there are people who fly from from Europe, like from London to New York, to stay there one day, and they only only carry a briefcase. I mean business types. They have mm-hmm. a meeting in New York, like a CEO. Of some uh, global company, yep. they're based in London, and they fly to New York with a briefcase and a laptop. What do they do? They don't have checked luggage, right? So yeah, uh, something to to consider. The the thing is that okay, we it's ten countries. They're all Middle Eastern countries because this is related to some kind of uh, again terror scare because they're. Uh, fear that some uh, Al-Qaeda or ISIS uh, operatives have found a way to put explosives in the batteries of electronics that would pass the, the usual checks, which uh, raises the question, what if they put it in the, in the hold and they have a remote control? What happens? That it goes off in the hold. If, it, if a fire goes off, there is no way to put it out. Yeah. Uh, Well, I don't know. There aren't actually the, the security agencies don't give much of uh, uh, details. But still, it's, it's those um, 10 countries or actually 10 airports in, uh, in different countries. But there's um, any, I mean, I flew to New York last time. It was in January. And I technically uh, took my flight in Milan. But I was flying with Emirates Airlines. And that flight was actually actually originated in Dubai. So it was the flight was started in Dubai, did a layover in Milan, and then on to New York. And I wonder if I had to take the same flight again, would I be included in the ban or not? That's something that I have to ask Emirates, just in case, if I take that again. Yeah, and I mean, why not go back to the old way where they made you turn on all your devices when you got to security mm-hmm. and make sure that they are working and, and real devices? I'm sure someone's going to figure a way around that, but uh, sure seems like, a, you, know, you know, if they're putting these explosive in batteries, I can't imagine that the device would actually work. Um, you know, maybe someday they, they will get it so that they can work around that and it will turn on, but just let me turn on my, my gear when we get there. Yeah, it's going to slow things down, but it's going to be a lot better for me. And, you know, when it comes to that, that executive that's flying to, to New York for a day, I'm sure that they've got it in their budget to, you know, do things where, you know, they can overnight their bag to them or they can specially check it or something. But for me, I'm worried about me as a small businessman who, you know, is traveling for two and a half months, three months at a time at, at times, and uh, I couldn't possibly go without my laptop. Yeah, of or, course. Nor could I afford to, you know, send it to every country that I'm going to in advance of me. So that's, uh, I think it's really going to affect the small business owner or the people that really absolutely have to have their 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 devices with them because – You know, a traveler, if I was going on a, you know, one or two week trip just and that was it, I could probably get away without, you know, having my 
my computer with me. But when it's your life and it's your business and you live on the road like many of us do, it's really going to affect us. Yeah, you you could check it in. But of course, I mean, it would be subject to to risks of, uh, well, for one thing, uh, check it baggage gets lost. (laughs) And sometimes, most of the times it is found again, maybe after a few days. Uh, Sometimes it is never recovered. And that's one risk. Sometimes uh, objects within checkered luggage are stolen. So that's one risk. Uh, The other thing, you were, I mean, you were flying from, you were recently in Morocco and Casablanca International Airports is one of the ones involved. So that uh, would potentially involve you if you were flying back from Morocco to the US. But also, that's the... That's the scary part. You could say, okay, I'm, okay, I'm not going to Morocco. Or if I go to Morocco, I will fly through London or Frankfurt or Paris. Fine. But uh, there is talk of extending the ban to the whole world, which means all of Europe will be involved. And what happens in that case? And, and you are now in Europe. And if they enacted that ban and extended to European countries tomorrow, and you are in Europe with a laptop and at least one camera, and maybe an iPad, I don't know, that is going to to, to touch you directly. Absolutely, and I'm afraid that that's going to happen. And, you know, I was just in Morocco with a group, and so people were worried that maybe this was going to be enacted while they were there. But they uh, we did fly into Casablanca and out of Marrakesh. And for Morocco, it is specifically just flights out of Casablanca, at least at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But now I'm leaving back for the U.S. from Tallinn, Estonia uh, via Warsaw. And so if this oh. goes into effect, it will absolutely affect me. Yep. If it goes, we hope it doesn't. It will affect me as well. I'm uh, flying to Chicago in June. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> Otherwise, it will. I was planning to bring at least one camera, uh, my laptop, definitely, uh, and possibly my drone. Uh, <laughs> I will maybe get a Pelican case with locks and <laughs> put everything in there if it if this happens. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I've got an old Pelican case that I've had for years that I've, that I've never actually used. I bought it for like $5 at a garage sale one time. And uh, who knows? I, this literally has to be 15 years ago. And who knows? Maybe it's going to come into come into uh, play with uh, this man. <laughs> do you think this will affect somehow, the, in some measure, travel to the U.S., at least uh, Travel for leisure. I mean, uh, there's um, people are already saying things like, "Okay, if this is, if this comes through, and I cannot fly from uh, Italy or France or Germany to the or the UK to the US without checking in my electronics, I will go somewhere else." And Absolutely. I, and I already I, I heard, think uh, yeah. Well. I mean, we could just go to Canada. <laughs> uh, and I was. Uh, uh, there is definitely, I mean, um, Emirates, they said that they are planning to cut the number of flights to the U.S. because they are flying half full. Right. They cannot afford to to fly so many flights to the U.S. from various European countries uh, because, uh, because they are Emirates flights. So um, flyers are going to, I don't know, British Airways, uh, Lufthansa, Air France, 
instead and they're losing money so they will cut flights but uh, it might also they might also decide to go to Canada or Mexico instead of going to the US or who knows Australia just okay do, where do we go from vacation this year I'm planning to go to the US no we'll go to Greenland instead I don't know <laughs> yeah no, I, I think it will absolutely you know people will start thinking about alternatives and I don't know if it gets to some breaking point where you know they finally decide that well this, you know it's not worth the uh, the amount of uh, you know the effect that it's going to have on the the entire travel industry in the U.S. Oh, and worldwide uh, you know I, I just don't know I I wonder how off, how much they think these things through they sometimes it seems like they just make you know make these decisions and kind of think about it later. Yeah. Anyway, I would just like to to wrap up this uh, this topic here because we we don't have much more information than what has been published online, and things uh, will probably change soon. But I would just advise everyone to check with their airline. I mean, that's the that's the main source. You're flying with uh, any airline. You're flying with Emirates or Royal uh, Air Jordan, Royal Air Morocco, Turkish Airlines. Just just call them. I mean, they, they will know. Maybe in the first days there might have been some confusion, but the, now they, they should definitely know. Uh, ask them what are the limitations, what you should do, how to, to be prepared. Uh, are you involved? And just uh, just call your airline. Don't risk uh, having to, to leave something at home just because you were not prepared. Yep, I agree. Okay, so um, next topic I would like to, uh, to talk about. Uh, this was uh, I mean, this, is, this is a bit unpleasant. The next topic is not pleasant either. <laughs> it, is, uh, it was just announced that Google has decided to to, to drop support and stop developing uh, their Nick suite of plugins, which includes things like uh, uh, HDR effects, uh, Silver effects, uh, uh, Viveza, and others. I don't even remember the the whole. The whole list. Basically, this is a suite of plugins that Google acquired when they bought Nick Software, which was originally an independent company. I think it was a German company. They had developed this suite of plugins for um, uh, Photoshop and Lightroom, also standalone applications uh, that you could use. And uh, Google bought them. Uh, they got some technology out of it. They included it into products like Snapseed and Google Photos, I think. And then said they, they probably decided that there was no point in them maintaining uh, this desktop software suite anymore because Google is not into desktop software. They're all into the clouds and mobile. So they said, you know what? We're not going to to support this anymore. There will be no more versions if it stops working on your operating system because the operating system has been updated. You're just uh, on your own. Uh, uh, I know you are a user of those plugins. So, what's your what's your take on this? Yeah, I've been using Nick uh, for quite a while, and uh, it's interesting you said that they're a German company because I knew that they were based in San Diego, but apparently they were founded by uh, a Nils Kokemore uh, in Hamburg, but uh, yeah. based in San Diego. But uh, I've been using Nick software for probably 10 or 12 years now. And uh, I started when the each plugin itself was, I think, $149. And then 
I be- believe after they sold to Google, it went to the whole suite was $149. And now, and recently, what, in the past year, they went to, to everything free. Yeah. And so I kind of thought that uh, the end was near when, when a company does that typically means, you know, th- that's not a good business model, even for Google, um, you know, to give stuff away like that for free. So you kind of had a feeling that the end might be near. But, uh, you know, I, I just hope that uh, I can continue to use it the way that I have been. Now I was using it with Aperture for, for many, many years. And I just recently, about a year ago, moved over to to uh, Lightroom, and so used the plugins there. So uh, if it completely went away, I, w- I would be very sad. Um, but uh, yeah, I like it. It, do- it doesn't just go away. I mean, if you have the software installed on your machine, it will still keep working. Uh, the, the problem is that one day you will maybe uh, upgrade to Lightroom Seven or. Uh, uh, iOS, uh, whatever is coming after Sierra or Windows 11, and the plugins will stop being compatible. And just as with uh, just as with Aperture, I know that people are still using old versions of OS 10 because it's still working with Aperture, and so on. So that's the, the issue with discontinued software. And, uh, do you? Yeah, have well, any... that's, that's mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean by that. Yeah. yeah. Do Do you have any? plans to, to to move to something else try new new solutions new plugins or or what not really um i mean i don't right now like you say it, it is going to be a while and uh, i i use uh, mostly silver effects pro uh, for uh, black and white conversions i once in a while will use viveza i have all the plugins but um, I don't use them that extensively, and I'm sure that there will be some alternatives. It's just that uh, it seems like every time I get to know something like Aperture uh, and it goes away, it's so frustrating to have to start to uh, you know, work with a, with a new program and have to learn it. Although I felt that the, the conversion, that my move from Aperture to Lightroom actually wasn't as difficult as I thought mm-hmm. because... Uh, you know, much of the terminology was the same. And, you know, so about, you know, 75, 80 percent of it was uh, familiar. And then it's just kind of digging into all the details. And, uh, you know, that's a bit of the frustrating part. But uh, I'll find something else, I'm sure. It's just a matter of having to then go learn it, which is really the last thing I want to have to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious uh, about... Um when you move from Aperture to Lightroom, what about your your old images or catalogs? I don't know. I mean, in Lightroom, a database of images is called a catalog. Uh, did you Lightroom. have to, to migrate your catalogs from Aperture Library? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aperture yeah. Libraries to Lightroom catalogs. How did it go? Yeah, I have not done that yet. So I, you know, I still have Aperture on my computer. The the uh, so I I could move that over to Lightroom. But I believe then you move over all the changes, and so, you know, then they're baked in. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that that's that's how it goes. Um, I have not, uh, you know, made that migration of any Aperture libraries into Lightroom. I'm still working with the old Aperture, but uh, I am afraid to update my iOS on my laptop because that's, I think, like you were saying when things can get wonky 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's not supported by the, the latest iOS. And so me and um, I know a lot of people are kind of waiting around. I don't know if any of our listeners have any Im- input on that and they can uh, send us an email or something, put in the uh, comments. But uh, if anyone knows anything about that, but I'm, I'm interested in what's going to happen when I f- finally do update the iOS, you know, what's going to happen to my aperture. Yeah, yeah. Or might pro- possibly stop working. <laughs> that would be. Yeah, that would be sad. Yeah, big uh, trouble. So, what do I do? You know, do I when it stops working like that? Is it then too late to move those libraries into Lightroom? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I know a lot of people, especially I'm a Fujifilm shooter, and I know a lot of Fujifilm shooters are. Uh, not that happy with the way Lightroom or Adobe Camera Raw uh, handles the Fujifilm files. So many mm. people are moving to Capture One. So that mm. could be an, um, an alternative to uh, to Lightroom or even Aperture. Uh, some people don't like Aperture uh, Lightroom at all. So they would be happy using Capture One. By the way, if you are a Fujifilm shooter uh, like me, the the most recent version of Capture One will now finally be able to open uh, uh, compressed RAW files from Fujifilm. So that's something to, to consider. I tried using Capture One. I was uh, a bit lost in its interface. I mean, it was definitely me. I mean, I'm not faulting the, the user interface, but I was used to my Lightroom workflow and way of doing things. I didn't want to... Uh, to, to change my ways, it was I was just a little bit lost. So I said maybe I will spend some time learning it, but I haven't found the time. Have you, have you ever used Capture One or other alternative softwares? I have not. Yeah. Uh, you know, I started out with Photoshop CS2. That was the last version of it that I used. I believe then I went uh, to Aperture, uh, probably 2006 or seven. Uh, used it until about last fall, 2016, and so never have used anything else. And I'm also looking here at my Facebook stream. There is an ad for a product that is called Pictorial, which is spelled P-I-C-K-T-O-R-I-A-L, which, uh, yeah, I'd never heard of, and it says it promises to be the best raw converter for Fujifilm X-Trans. So maybe I should try that one. That's, uh, <laughs> that's also what's called a Luminar from MacFun, I think. That's another one. So it looks like what was uh, used to be a more or less uh, Aperture versus Lightroom duopoly is starting to mm-hmm. change. So there will be maybe more, uh, more options for us. Who knows? Yeah, I think the you know competition is good. And hopefully that will keep Lightroom on its toes and continuing to develop. Good. Let's see. Uh, we, we'll see. I mean, again, it's uh, something that is uh, will change. The landscape is changing in this respect. So mm-hmm. well, we need to stay up to date with that. We will uh, keep you, keep all our listeners updated as much as we can about those developments. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was pretty much what I wanted to talk ab- about with you today. Uh, those developments uh, in the news. Uh, before we uh, wrap up this episode, I just 
would just like to, to talk about our next uh, next travels. So you're coming uh, back home to Chicago soon. Uh, what what's, what are your plans after that? Yeah, so I'll be spending most of June and July in uh, Chicago. Uh, I'll see you at the Out of Chicago conference yeah, in uh, late June. Um, I have maybe a one or two personal trips just within the area, Indianapolis, maybe up to Minnesota. But uh, my plan for this summer is to really put my head down and get this tour organizer training program completed and released and out there because I'm getting a lot of people asking me when when this is going to happen. And uh, uh, so this is me telling everyone that uh, I'm going to get it done by July. And so I just need to concentrate being in one place for a period of time to make that happen. So, and then in August, I've got a, a Copper Canyon, Mexico trip. And then fall starts to heat up again with Romania, Bulgaria, India, Cambodia, Vietnam. Yep. So how about yep. yourself? What do you got planned? Yeah, of course, Chicago, as you said, we're going to meet up there. Just uh, give a shout out to the folks at Out of Chicago. Uh, we are, I'm going to do a couple of talks there and a photo walk. And I think you're doing a photo walk as well. So that would be a great chance to to meet you again and meet a lot of uh, new and old friends. Uh, so check out outofchicago.com. Uh, I think there's still uh, seats available, but they will probably sell out soon. Uh, after that, just uh, yesterday, I uh, booked some tickets to Bangkok, Thailand. I'm going to be to be there for a couple of weeks uh, between the end of August and the beginning of September. It's going to be my first time in Thailand. So I'm actually... Is that a personal trip or? Uh, yeah, family family trip. Uh, mm-hmm. But of course, I do always take the chance to do a lot of photography. And with them, with the, the family, they're very understanding of my needs as a photographer. And and they know mm-hmm. that I do a lot of research. So I bring them to beautiful places. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that works for all of us. But I, it's my first time in Thailand. So if our listeners have any suggestions of places that I should not miss, in terms of photographic opportunities, I'm, uh, with the, I'd be happy to hear them. Uh, just leave us a comment in the, in the comments on this episode, and um, I'll look at them. Look at them. Uh, after that, I might. This is something that is right now developing. It's still not certain, but I might do a trip to Oman in October in preparation for a possible uh, tour, photo tour that I might be leading there, maybe next winter. Still to be confirmed, still a lot of details, dates and everything to be confirmed, but I'm pretty excited. There's uh, good chances that it might happen. So keep an eye on my on my website at ucphoto.me. Uh, sign up for my newsletter. Uh, you will find it a uh, little pop-up on the site. You can sign up and you will be informed uh, of my next uh, trips, photo tours, and everything I've got going on. If you would like to to come along for a tour, uh, just let me know and sign up, and you will be the first to be notified. And what about you? Where can people find you? Uh, did I mention my URL? You see photo.me? If I didn't, now I did. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I think you did, but uh, yeah, that's good to know. Uh, I uh, People can find me at photoenrichment.com. Follow me on all the social networks at photoenrichment, at Ralph Velasco. And if I can mention just one other trip, uh, I've got a Cuba trip that I just announced that is for March 11th through 18th, excuse me, March 11th through 17th. 2018 so next march and uh, this will be my 17th trip that i'll be organizing and leading there and so i'm really excited about that it's already starting to fill up but people can go to photoenrichment.com look for tours and there'll be a drop down there for the cuba trip but uh it's very limited to uh 11 participants and uh if you haven't been to cuba place that uh, you really ought to go great photography and uh, wonderful, wonderful place. Great people. Good. Okay. So that's uh, that's all for today. Uh, we'll probably uh, do another episode, record another episode. We've got some guests coming up, some of them really, really, really interesting people. And uh, so I guess next time we will do the recording when you're back home in Chicago. Uh, hopefully with all of your equipment uh, safe and uh, together with you. Not <laughs> <laughs> <Lots> so. <of hope. laughs> all right. Uh, so until next time, uh, all the best. Take care. And now let's get out and shoot. So long, everyone. Bye. One more thing before closing. We recently launched a monthly photo contest over at our Facebook group. Every month we invite you to share your best travel photos and then we will uh, pick one or two winners and invite them to the show uh, to discuss uh, how they took their photo, the story behind it, uh, and talk a little bit about themselves. So we don't have any uh, actual real prizes because we don't have any sponsors yet. Maybe this will change in the future. But for now, the prize is just to be a guest on the show. So to participate, uh, uh, head over to facebook.com slash groups slash teamcorner. That's T-I-M corner. And uh, you will find a post uh, uh, pinned at the top of the group and you can uh, add your photos to the album there. We also put a link in the show notes of this episode at ttim.photo forward slash 79. Thank you very much.